Welcome to the Vintage Church Podcast. We hope to challenge and equip you to take your next step in your relationship with Jesus through these messages from our weekend worship gatherings. Well, good morning, church. Well, those of you in the room, help me welcome everybody watching online. Very cool. Got a message last week during this gathering. It said, hello from the Gulf of Mexico. Guy working on the oil rig watching Venice Church. That's pretty cool. Uh, My name is Matt. If I haven't got a chance to meet you, I'm one of the pastors here at Vintage. And you picked a really good time to come to church, especially if you're new to Vintage. Maybe you just found us. Maybe uh, during the quarantine, you needed something to watch online because you had binged all the Netflix shows that you could handle. And you maybe thought Sunday would be a good time to watch something spiritual. And you found us. And can you just show some love to our production broadcast teams for the amazing job they do to make sure we're online. This is a really good time to be here because we're in part four of the most important series that we do every year. Now, every series that we do, I believe, is important because every series we're teaching some truth from God's word. But this particular one is the most important series we do, and we do it every single year because this is a series called Live Love where we come back and we center around our mission. And just so that we're clear on definition of terms, when we say mission, we're talking about our why. Mission equals why. Mission is why we exist. And we exist for a very clearly defined purpose. And if you've walked into this building, you've seen it immediately because it's written on the wall right out there. And for us, it's more than just a little line on a wall. That line embodies the purpose of the church given to it by Jesus himself, because we exist to inspire people to live and love like Jesus. That is why we're here. That is why the church exists. And the reason why it's important to revisit our why is because we have the most important why of any other thing in the universe. The church's why is the most important why of any organization on the planet because our why and whether or not we accomplish it eternity of the souls of people hangs on that God gave us our mission inspiring people to live and love like Jesus and our why is so important that we we can't afford to drift from it why because hell is real and eternity is too long (laughs) and we can't afford to lose sight of why we exist The church cannot allow itself to drift towards the wrong agenda because there's too much at stake. Now, so over the the last few weeks, we've kind of re-clarified and recommitted ourselves to that why. And can I just remind you, that why is not just the mission of an organization. It has to be the purpose of your life. Come on. Now, y'all had time to sleep in and be energetic with me today, okay? That it's not our why, it's our why. It's my why. That's if you claim to know Jesus, be a Christian, a Christ follower, however you choose to label it, you know why you exist? You know what your why is? Your why is to inspire people to live and love like Jesus. I don't care how you earn a living. Your paycheck is just a platform for your purpose. Whether you're a teacher or a doctor or a janitor or whatever you are, that God has given you that platform to inspire people to live in love like Jesus, 
to leverage what he has given you to accomplish the same mission. That is our why. And it isn't too important for us to ever forget or allow ourselves to drift from it. But just knowing the why isn't enough. Now we gotta figure out, all right, how? <laughs> all right, how are we gonna go about accomplishing this mission? If it is as important as we claim it to be, and if people's eternity really hangs in the balance, how, how are we gonna do this? And that's the beautiful part about our God. He made it really, really clear as to why we do church, but he left a lot of room for us to figure out how. And that's why we can't just talk about mission, we also have to talk about vision. Because where mission equals why, vision equals how. Mission equals why, vision equals how. And let me just go ahead and say, every church from the onset has the same mission. Have we established that yet? I don't care what denomination you're a part of. I don't care what your sign says on your window. Every church has the same mission, whether it's Vintage Church or First Baptist Church or whatever it is. If we are centered on the gospel and we believe in the scripture, we all exist for the same purpose. Say amen. But the beauty of this whole thing and the sovereignty of our God, he knew that it would take different expressions of church to accomplish that mission. I'll never forget when we came here to plant vintage, I had everybody and their brother say, Matt, why are you coming to North Carolina to plant a church? We got too many churches in North Carolina as it is. You can stand in the parking lot of one church and throw a rock and hit another, and I've tried. I said another, that's a, South, that's a North Carolina word, right? Some of y'all did y'all not catch that? I could have just skipped over that, but. But here's the thing. You can, God, God is okay with that. There needs to be different expressions of church. There is no one right way to do church. And the reason why God made that provision is because he knew that from generation to generation and culture to culture, what it would take to accomplish his mission would need to be different. Come on that what it took to reach people in first century, first century Israel would be different than what it would take to reach people in Randleman in 2020. What it took to reach people in Randleman in 1950 is different than what it's gonna take to reach people in Randleman in 2020. And God knew that. And even now, like what it's gonna take there's gonna be some of your friends and neighbors, we're not the church that's gonna reach them, but we're gonna believe that God's gonna birth another church somewhere in our community and that will be where they can find a home because this is not a competition, we're all in this together. And we know we can't reach everybody. We know we're not the church for everybody. And that's okay. But see, here's the problem. <laughs> Again, last week we talked about the rigid and fluid things, right? That there are some things that are rigid and th some things that are fluid. And the thing about the New Testament church and the book of Acts, they knew where to be rigid and when to be fluid. And the rigid things are easy. The why of the church, you can try, but you can't really argue that, right? Jesus made it pretty clear. So to try to argue it is really try to argue with scripture. 
But the whole vision part, how we do church, everybody's got an opinion on how. But if you haven't noticed yet, we all have opinions. And if this season has taught us anything, we are all experts on everything. There are people in this room that in, in the last six months, you became doctors. And scientists and school teachers. And for years, everybody in the church has been the pastor. Everybody's got an opinion. And see, here's the bad thing about that. It's not tension over the mission that stifled the church. It's tension over the vision. Because everybody's got an idea on how. And the church has spent so much time arguing with each other about how we're going to do church that we haven't done it well. That we've gotten so called up in this thing of vision. And the reality is we've got to figure out how. It's not enough just to, to know why we exist. We have to constantly be asking ourselves, all right, how are we going to do this? How are we going to inspire people to live and love like Jesus? And the proper process for landing in vision is really important. Because I've said throughout this series, yes, mission is primary, but vision is necessary. We have to have a plan. We have to have an idea of how we're going to accomplish this mission. And that's why vision is so important. And several years ago, we kind of recognized this, and we started leaning into this proverb that I'm sure you've heard at some point, Proverbs 29, 18. You heard this? Where there is no vision, the people perish. You heard that verse before? It's been really popular in church culture over the last maybe 10 years or so. That, oh, we just need a vision. Where, the, where the, there is no vision, the people perish. And so we kind of swung to this other pendulum like the church tends to do. And we look to this real grand vision without thinking about all the things that have to be thought of as we figure out our how. And some of that is rooting and reading the rest of that verse. We love to do that with scripture. We like to read half of it and then build theology on it. That ain't real smart. Because if you go on to read that verse, look at Proverbs 29, 18. This is the King James Version. The, good, the version that was good enough for Jesus. I gotta stop. <laughs> Where there is no vision, the people perish, but he that keepeth the law, happy is he. See, where there is no vision, yes, the people perish, but he that keepeth the law, understanding the word of God, the principles of scripture, happy is he. That vision that's not rooted in scripture is a vision that will not accomplish the mission the way God intended it to be accomplished. Because see, if, if mission is rigid and vision is fluid, you have to be careful with fluid. Because if you don't funnel fluid properly, it'll flow in a direction you didn't intend. Does that make sense? It, if, you, if fluid things 
aren't funneled property, properly, they will flow in a direction you didn't intend. So you can't just have a vision. You've got to have a vision rooted in the right things. And most people's vision for the church is rooted in their personal preference. We spend so much time not fighting for biblical principles, but for our personal preferences. And we want a vision for the church that meets my preference and not a vision that is driven by priorities rooted in biblical principles. And as we started Vintage, vision was the last thing we thought of. I know that seems weird. We started with mission, but as we started thinking about, all right, yeah, we've got this mission. We know our why, but what is the vision for how we're going to accomplish it? And, and the reality is with, with vision, it's got to do a handful of things for it to be of God. And this is a statement that I wrote in my journal, I think sometime in 2006 or 2007. The vision must accomplish the mission, align with the beliefs, and reflect the values. That all of this is important. That how we do church, first and foremost, it has to align with the beliefs. Those essential things that we talked about last week, those core beliefs, we can never allow ourselves to drift toward a vision that causes us to compromise what God has said is essential. But those aren't the only things. It not only has to align with the beliefs, it also should reflect the values. That beliefs are things that are essential for us all, all believers. But then we decided as a church there would be things that are essential for us all and the things that are essential for us as a church. That as we, we know that the vision is always gonna have to evolve because the way Vintage did church in 2008, when we first started meeting in 2009, when we officially launched in 2012, when we moved to the middle school, and in 2018, when we moved into this building, it has evolved, and it will always evolve. But to make sure that it evolves in the right way, before this thing ever started, we decided there would be some things that would be important to us, some priorities rooted in biblical principles that would be the funnel to make sure this fluid vision would always flow in the right direction. One of those things is inspirational leadership. That's one of our core values, inspirational leadership. That's important to us. Why? Read through the scripture. There's not a single powerful move of God from Genesis to Revelation that didn't have inspirational leaders who leveraged their influence to bring honor and glory to God and build his kingdom. All throughout the Bible, God raised up men and women to do significant things to make sure that God was at the center of its communities. Walk through it all the way through the Old Testament from Moses to Elijah and Elisha to the prophets, to Jesus himself, who passed the baton to Peter, and eventually Paul and Silas, and all throughout this movement, God has raised up inspirational leaders who have taken on the task of leading the way, 
staying at the forefront, reflecting the character and nature of what it means to be a true follower of Jesus. People that weren't in it to get paid or to have fame, but people that were assigned by God to leverage the influence that he had given them to continue to advance his kingdom. And probably the most detrimental thing to the movement of God is a lack of priority of inspirational leaders in the church. Because we've had leaders that, can we be honest, have led in the wrong direction at times. How often has the church taken a blow because people who have titles like mine and platforms like mine who have misused it and failed the church in so many ways because of lack of character and confidence in who God created them to be. And so this is important to us because we know how important leaders are in the church. And so we value it, we protect it, we invest in it. Go all the way back to the book of Acts, chapter four, verse 13, is this thing, this church is in its infancy. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and took note that these men had been with Jesus. That there were men and women all throughout the New Testament that were close to God, took care of their spiritual, emotional, and physical well-being so that they could move into the church and use their influence to keep the movement moving. We value that. We value developing leaders in our church. We invest in leaders. Did you know that every single person that right now gets a paycheck from this church started out as a volunteer? Every single one. I've never had to post a job take a resume, that the people that serve this church in leadership started out sitting in those seats and we have intentionally poured and invested and raised up leaders from within to protect the culture that God's trying to use in this church. And it's been awesome to watch people come to this church in the 11th grade as just a teenager and years later now use the gifts and influence that God has given them to keep this thing moving forward. And we want to be the kind of leaders that reflect Hebrews 13. Have confidence in your leaders. Submit to their authority because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account. Do this so that their work will be a joy, not a burden, for that would be of no benefit to you. And for you to have confidence in your leaders, we have to raise up leaders of passion and character. And that's what we are committed to doing, to continue to inspire people to live in love like Jesus. It is something we value and protect. We also set as a core value innovative environments. Innovative environments. You know why? Because... The message of the gospel is the most beautiful message any human could ever hear. And it deserves to be told in a creative, powerful way. That we should be innovative in how we do things and we should look to leverage anything we can to give honor and glory to God. First of all, you know, the the most creative force in all the universe is God himself. Have you ever seen a sunrise? God is unique and he does different things. Just look at your neighbor. There's a reason why they don't look like you. 
because God is innovative and he's creative and his church should be the leading place where that innovation is seen for the glory and gospel of Jesus Christ. Innovation is a part of who we are and we will use any and everything we can as long as it aligns with our beliefs. We will never compromise scripture. We will never compromise the essential things, but we will take any and everything that we can and redeem it and use it to teach people about Jesus. The church has the responsibility to remain relevant. And I know that's a weird word for some people, but relevance isn't giving people what they want. It's meeting people where they are. It's meeting people where they are. And so when I know when a lot of you walked in here, you thought, where in the world am I? The lights are moving everywhere and the hit me in the face. And what is that? <clears throat> is that smoke? First of all, if you're coughing when you walk in here, you might have the Rona, but it's not because of our haze. It is a water vapor, so stop it. People come in here and they say sometimes it looks too much like the world because the world has used a lot of this stuff. But maybe God didn't create this stuff for the world. Maybe he created it for us. They just stole it, and it's time we stole it back. Because I'm grateful that we redeemed that light and it wasn't at a Marilyn Manson concert 10 years ago and we can use it now for the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm grateful that we will leverage technology. I'm grateful online church was weird for a whole lot of us before eight months ago. Church at home, that's weird. But now we are flooding the internet with the gospel like never before. And I know there's a lot of bad things on the internet, but instead of abandoning it, I think what we ought to do is just flood it with as much good and gospel as we possibly can. It's 2020 out there, but you walk through the doors of some churches and it's a time portal to 1962. And I just don't think it should be that way. I don't think it has to be that way. There's times when God has pushed us to understand this. Isaiah 43, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. That church, as we move forward, we have to protect. We value innovative environments we value innovation for the message of the gospel, not for innovation's sake, but if it doesn't work, we're gonna change it. People say all the time, things are always changing around vintage. Absolutely. Don't get married to anything because if we can do it better tomorrow in a way that will help us better accomplish our mission, we will. If, what we, if we made a change and today is the first time we did it and next week is, we need to do it different, guess what? We're gonna do it different. We gotta live with too much urgency to get married to the way that we do things. We also value an integrated community. That's important to us, that this right here would be an integrated community. And by that, I mean a lot of things. Number one, I think that this should be a place that in this building, anybody in that community should feel safe and comfortable. <laughs> that I don't care where you come from, I don't care if you grew up in church, never been in church a day in your life. 
I don't care if you've been married 50 years or you've been awful at relationships from the beginning. I don't care if you got a million dollars in your bank account or you can't afford to buy a Happy Meal at McDonald's. That you ought to be able to walk in this church no matter what your background or station in life is and feel like this is a place that you can even belong before you believe. That when you step in this room, that the people around you might look different than you, but you don't doubt for a minute that they love you and they want you here. That's why when a host team member holds that door and smiles at you on the way in, they're doing so much more than holding the door. They're letting you know, I am glad you're here and I don't care what your story is. And we work to protect a culture that allows that to happen. And also that we're connected, that we're not just a bunch of random individuals just bouncing through life. Romans chapter 12, for just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, check this out, so in Christ, though many, though many backgrounds, many skin colors, many economic staff, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. That we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us, that we will fight to protect and always value an integrated community and create a culture that allows everybody to be able to come in and feel loved and welcome. And the last thing that's really important to us and perhaps the most important, is intentional relationships. Yeah, we we value inspirational leadership because this whole thing from the beginning has required people to use their influence to keep the movement of God moving. That we value innovative environments because we think God's message deserves creativity in order to make him known. We value an integrated community where everybody can come in and feel loved, wanted, and welcome but we value intentional relationships because it is in intentional relationships that people find and grow in Jesus. That from the very onset of this thing, it has been through the vehicle of intentional relationships that Jesus built his church. (laughs) Look at at how it started. Mark chapter one, verse 16. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon, his brother Andrew, casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. And at once they left their nets and followed him. When he had gone a little further, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. Do you notice how Jesus started this thing? He went up to random people and said, hey, why don't you come follow me? Like, not like a little a little duck behind mama duck. I mean, like, let's do this thing together. I'm inviting you into my world, into my life, and I'm going to pour into you, and I'm going to invest in you, and I'm going to build a relationship with you, and then through that relationship, I'm going to help you understand all that God intended you to know and understand about him. And it was through intentional relationships that this whole thing started. Jesus demonstrated this to us, and we value intentional relationships, that we don't want a church full of a bunch of people that have these little acquaintances. 
but deep, meaningful relationships for the purpose of spurring each other on towards love and good deeds, as Scripture says. And so that's why we do a lot of things and don't do others. That's why we will never, we will never plan a time when we stand out on a corner and hold a sign and yell at people and tell them they're going to hell. Because I don't think that's very effective. I think building a relationship with people that allows them to see the love of Jesus through your love is the best way to get them into the kingdom of God. <laughs> through intentional relationships. <laughs> Why we exist is to inspire people to live in love like Jesus. And before we start talking about how, the vision that we're gonna get to next week, we have to understand that that fluid thing that is vision, that God allowed us to be fluid in so that from generation to generation and community to community, people could find Jesus. That fluid thing will always be funneled through the priorities that you just heard. But ultimately, it all comes down to the priority of a single soul that the church exists so that the lost are found. And I read a story again, journeying through the book of Acts once again, as I do before this series every time, because that's what birthed this thing. And I was reminded of this story in Acts chapter 16. If you move into Acts chapter 16, Paul is now one of those inspirational leaders in the church. <laughs> He's going around with his friend Silas and he's telling people about Jesus and he's casting out demons, doing all these things to the point where it gets him into hot water once again. And he finds himself in trouble. In verse 23, it says, and after they had been severely flogged for telling people about Jesus, they're thrown into prison. And the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. When he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening because there's always somebody listening, church. Verse 26, suddenly there was such a great violent wind of earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And at once all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. We are all here. The jailer called for lights, rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved and you and your whole household. And then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in the house. And at that hour of the night, the jailer took them in and washed their wounds. And then immediately he and all his household were baptized. The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. And he was filled with joy because they had come to believe in God, he and his whole household. And I thought in that story embodies everything that we value an inspirational leader who's leveraging his influence to build the kingdom of God, no matter the consequence. And he finds himself in prison. And even in those dire circumstances, he continues to worship God and sing a song, a hymn then 
different from the one now. And people were listening and God answered prayer and this chains fell off. And he didn't rush out. That he stayed there and he led the very one who put him in chains to Jesus. Because that man's salvation was more important to Paul than his own freedom. When you live with that kind of conviction to a set of biblical priorities, not personal preferences, that's how you change the world. And if this church will align together as one around these important things, we've only just begun to see what he'll do. So God, I pray that you would continue to mold us, unify us in a time when everybody's got opinions and everybody's got an idea of what should be done and how it should be done. I pray that this church would be different, that those things that we determined were important 12 years ago, they remain important. They remain the funnel, the filter through which the vision must continue to pass through if we're gonna be effective at inspiring people to live in love like Jesus. So God, as we worship you now, I pray that you would continue to mold our hearts and bring us into full surrender to you so that we can be who you desire us to be. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thanks for listening to the Vintage Church Podcast. We hope that what you experience today inspires you to live and love like Jesus. Stay connected with what's happening at Vintage and grow deeper in your faith by downloading the Vintage Church app. Through this app, you have access to sermon notes, upcoming events, devotionals, additional podcasts, and opportunities to connect in community. You can easily download our app by going to app.vintagechurch.net. We hope you join us again soon.